Welcome to the Melodramatic Podcast. So today we are going to have a little bit of a different episode. So instead of focusing on music today, we are going to do a Q&A about my move to Hawaii. And there will be pretty much no music in this episode. But originally this episode was supposed to come out on Wednesday as the bonus episode for the week. But instead we had the Savior's Review be the bonus episode. I didn't want to, so originally the Savior's Review was supposed to come out on Friday. This was supposed to come out on Wednesday. But then I got a chance to listen to Savior's early. So instead, I just switched the places of the two episodes. So today we are going to look at some questions that listeners sent in, just questions about my move to Hawaii. And I will go ahead and get into those questions now. So our first question comes from Tanner, and he asks, are you really in Hawaii? And yes, yes, I am. And the island I live on is the big island, also called Mokuokiave. And like its name suggests, it's the biggest of the Hawaiian islands. And on this island, we have the two big volcanoes. We've got, well, actually, we have three uh, decently sized volcanoes on the island, two really big ones. And we have Volcano National Park on this island as well. So the two biggest ones are Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa. And the other volcano, which is Kilauea, is the most active volcano in the world. And that's the one I actually live the closest to. So on the island, I'm on the eastern side of the island in a city called Hilo. We're right along the coast. There's not really any beaches here in Hilo. There's just kind of shorelines with lava rocks. But we are right up against the ocean. I can actually see the ocean out of my window. So that's pretty cool. And yeah, I'm really liking it here in Hilo. I really am in Hawaii. And yeah, it's kind of unreal when you think about that, at least for not when you think about that. But when I think about that, uh, I've never been here before. I've never been here on vacation. It really wasn't somewhere that we had ever thought we would end up, especially not to live. So it's definitely something that is kind of crazy to think about. But yeah, I really am here. And yep, that's where I'm at. So our next question comes from Lexi, and she asks, why are you there? So the reason I up and left and moved to Hawaii is for my mom's work. So I'm in high school. I'm a junior. I'm 16. So pretty much wherever the family goes, I follow. And basically, one of the things I think about is I like to say it's basically the plot of Twilight. So if you're not familiar with Twilight, where have you been living? Under a rock? But basically, uh, somebody in their junior year moves across the nation from the desert to a very rainy place and a very small town. And that's basically what I did. So Hilo is about half the size of St. George, where I'm from. And it's also not a desert like where I'm from. So Hilo is actually the rainiest city in America. It's rained almost every day I've been here. It's been quite sunny this week, actually. This is like the first week without that much rain. But it's very rainy here. And it's really tropical. It's kind of like a jungle where I live. But other parts of the island are very deserty. And anyways, to to get back to the question... Uh, Yeah, I'm here because of my mom's work. So she works for the government and her job brought us here. So this is where I'm at now. And that's why I'm here. But other than that, I should have expanded more on Tanner's question. Uh, He didn't really ask me to describe the island, but that's kind of what I'm taking it as. So on the side where I am, I'm on the wet side of the island, on the eastern side. And then the western side is the dry side. And so in between those two sides, if you want to go from the east to the west, on the east, there's Hilo. And then on the west, there's Kona, which is the big tourist city here on this island. And well, it's not a big city, but it's a big tourist location here on the island. And to get to those, you have to cross through the volcanoes. And on the way there, it's quite an interesting drive. So you start out in the tropical jungle, like what it looks like where I live. And then you kind of go through the volcano. You don't go through the volcanoes. You drive by the volcanoes. And at first, it starts out kind of like the bluffs in California, like kind of out by Bakersfield, if you know what that looks like. And then you keep going, and it turns into just straight up desert, like 
you have ever if you ever been around Las Vegas or Baker, California, Barstow, that's basically what it looks like. And then you get into just lava flats. It's just flat lava rock, like as far as you can see. It looks like nothing else. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. And then you keep going and you get to the most foreign part to me. It's like meadows. It's like grass, rolling hills. And that's more towards Kona. That's around a city called Waimea. And I just think it's funny that that's what surprised me the most because where I'm from in the desert, I'm used to the desert. The the lava flats, I'm used to lava rocks. There is a lot of lava rocks where I'm from. So the lava rocks aren't new. The bluffs, I've been there before. And even the jungle. So I'm Latino. My mom's from Guatemala. I've been there before. I've been in the jungle. It's not a new environment to me. Of course, the jungle here is very different. But the thing that surprised me the most was the meadows and the rolling hills because coming from the desert, I've I've never been anywhere like that. I've, I've traveled a lot, but I've never traveled to anywhere with like rolling hills and meadows. So it's just kind of an interesting thing to think about. And then for a little bit more on geography, what I've noticed is the color of the water at the ocean is different from Kona than it is here in Hilo. Here in Hilo, it's way darker. It's very clear. And then in Kona, it's also clear, but it's a lot lighter. It almost looks turquoise, kind of greenish almost. It looks really cool. But yeah, that's a bit of geography that nobody asked for, but I'm giving it to you. So on top of just being sent questions, I was also sent some audio file questions. And we're going to get into one of those right now. We've got Kyler asking this first question. How have you noticed cultural differences between St. George and Hawaii? So as far as cultural differences, I'm, I'm going to split this up into, into a few parts because so I'm from St. George, then I'm also Latino. I've got a lot of Latino culture that I'm used to. And then I also like to say I'm from Las Vegas and Las Vegas was right by where I lived in St. George. And I know people make fun of Americans for measuring distance and time. But if I left my house at one o'clock, I would be in Vegas at one thirty. So I feel like that's kind of cheating because there's a time zone change. But when you really think about it, I was right by Vegas. And uh, I don't know how many people know this, but there's a thing where Vegas is often called the ninth island of Hawaii because it has such a large Polynesian population. And a lot of people don't know that, but that's something about Vegas. And yeah, there's just a large population of Polynesians living there. So I, I do have friends who are Polynesian, even back when I lived in Utah. So culture-wise, it's not completely new. It's just I haven't been immersed in it before. So onto the St. George kind of part. I would say when I look at St. George, it's a small town. It's a small town here too. And what I find interesting is I think things are a lot closer knit here than they were even in St. George. And things were pretty close knit in St. George, I would say. Lately, there's been a lot of growth in St. George, and it's becoming less that way. But here in Hilo, it's still very strong. And other cultural differences. So <laughs> this is quite funny. But one of the things uh, my mom noticed, she moved here a month before I did. Uh, she noticed there's not a lot of white people here, which is hilarious to me that, that she noticed that. Because outside of the tourists... Most of the locals here come from Asian countries or they're Polynesian themselves and have been living here for a long time. And what's funny is I was like, yeah, that that looks pretty accurate. And then me and my dad went to Tractor Supply Co. to get food for my dog. And we were like, this is where the white people are, <laughs> of course. So that's something that I think is a big cultural difference. When you look at St. George, there was... A there was a decently sized Polynesian population, decently sized Native American population, and then an even larger Latino population, but the majority was white. So moving from somewhere that's very Caucasian to somewhere that's very diverse and cultural, it's not a culture shock, but it's definitely interesting to see how many different cultures there are here coexisting. Not everybody's just Hawaiian, not everybody's just Filipino. You have a lot of different countries that are represented here among the population. And that's definitely something that's 
really cool to see. Now, the other thing that comes along with that is I'm Latino. Both of my parents are Latino. I'm not white, but I'm very pale. And that's something I notice. I think I stick out a decent bit whenever I go places, but it's honestly not too bad. It hasn't caused me any troubles at all. And another thing with that is, like I said, I'm Latino. My last name is Hernandez. And there's a lot of Spanish last names here because there's a big Filipino population. So they'll be taking roles. And I'm not the only Hernandez here, but I'm the only Latino I've seen this whole time outside of my family. There is none of us here. So that brings me to kind of the cultural difference with my culture. And there are a few minor things that have been different for me. For example, all of the people here, you, you have to take your shoes off when you go inside of the house. It's like a culture thing shared here in Hawaii and also in lots of parts of Asia. And in Latino culture, it's funny. It's not manners to wear your shoes. It's not like a manners thing. But if you're barefoot in a Latino house, you're going to get yelled at by at least some mom or tia or something is going to yell at you for being barefoot in the house. I have never been barefoot in the house. And if I have been, I've gotten yelled at before. I don't know why, but uh, in my culture, lots of the parental figures think you are going to get some sort of illness if you walk bare feet. They're like, you're going to catch a cold. You're going to get sick and die if you walk bare feet. So I just think that's a funny thing that it's the exact opposite here that you are supposed to walk without shoes inside of your house. So that's just an interesting thing. Another thing is the rice. You are going to have so much rice if you live here. You get served two scoops of rice with like every meal that you purchase. It's a big thing, rice. But rice is a big thing for La for Latinos too. But our rice is like seasoned and it has sauce on it. The rice here, you're going to get plain white rice most of the time. You might get lucky and you might get fried rice. But it's going to be plain white rice most of the time. And I'm used to red rice. I'm used to white rice, but then I put salsa on it. Or I'm used to even yellow rice, which is more from the Caribbean, Central America. You might find yellow rice, but I'm not really that used to just eating plain white rice. And I think that's been a big thing culturally, which it's funny that rice is the thing for me where I'm like, look, I just wish this had some sort of salsa on it. That's my one thing that I would say is genuinely something I have to adapt to, which it's funny that that is the thing, but it is. And there's just a few other things. Like when I think about politics, I think Southern Utah specifically is a very like conservative Christian area. And I haven't noticed any politics this whole time I've been here. Like when you drive down the, you can go down any street in St. George, you are going to find some sort of political statement somewhere. And here I haven't found a single one. Like in St. George, you might even find a Confederate flag somewhere. Like I've seen them when I've been driving around. It's not like a lot of them, but you'll, you will find a few. And so I'm glad to be away from that aspect of the culture. I'm glad there's no Confederate flags here. And I'm not saying all of St. George is like that. I've seen maybe like two or three throughout the entire city. But again, I'm just glad that there is none of that. Even though St. George isn't a place like that, just seeing one of those flags makes me uncomfortable. But over here, haven't seen a single one. So that's good news. But oh, it sounds like there's maybe an ambulance outside. I don't know if you guys can hear that. But over here, there's not even presence of like partisan politics. So one of the things I've noticed here, it's an election year. I haven't seen a single political ad on the local channels. I haven't heard one on the radio. And even the ads for like local offices are completely different. They don't say what political party they're aligned to. And one of the ones I love seeing there, they're all over town is for this one guy. He's a doctor. I forgot his name, but he's just given the shaka or like the hang loose. And he's just smiling in his picture. And I've seen other posters, which are just like the candidate. They're just like happy and smiling and just having fun. And that's something I'm not used to too. When you drive around Southern Utah and you see even Vegas, and you see political ads, it's somebody looking very solemn, 
they're not smiling. They're trying to look so serious, like, I'm so serious, you want to vote for me. And over here, it's not like that at all. It's, hey, I'm, I'm a person, I'm fun, you want me to be your leader. And I just think that's a different approach to it, a bit different culturally, as far as that's concerned. Um, as far as some other cultural things, so again, one of the things when I first moved here is you, you everybody knows that to say hi in Hawaii, you say aloha. And the thing that I was wondering is I'm like, am I supposed to say that when I say hi to people? Like if I do that, am I appropriating in any way? Because I'm not from here. I just live here. So that was something I was definitely worried about thinking. I'm like, oh, do I have to say mahalo? when I'm saying thank you, or is that appropriation? What's going to be expected of me? And I really haven't run into any problems with that. Like, if I just say hello or thank you, that's, it's fine. <laughs> that's perfectly acceptable. People aren't going to look at you weird. They're not going to be like, oh, you're being disrespectful. But what I found is somebody who lives here, that is actually not too far off of what's expected of me. For example, today in one of my classes, I have a class called modern Hawaiian history, and it's just a lot of cultural information coming at me. And one of the things my teacher said, and this was just today, this was just a few hours ago, is uh, she was talking to the whole class and she said, all of you, I don't care if you're Filipino, if you're white, or if you are Hawaiian. When somebody tells you aloha, you say aloha back. It's the respectful thing to do, and you should be doing that. It's a good sign of respect, and that's mutual respect. They respected you. It's your turn to respect them back. And so that's something that I've, I've just found interesting, that it's just so accepting. Everybody here who, who lives here, I suppose if you're a tourist, maybe my teacher wouldn't be telling you that. But it's just so welcoming, I suppose, to everybody who lives here. It's really inviting to have them come into the culture and... I just think that's a really neat thing. And I'm trying to think if there's any other big culture things. Oh, I've got one. So what's funny is, so we were at the grocery store the other day, okay? And they tried, the, the cashier tried speaking to, it was me and my mom there. And they tried speaking to us in Portuguese because there is a, or there was, I haven't met any of them, but there was a large Portuguese population here in Hawaii. And I suppose me and my mom look vaguely Portuguese. And they tried talking to us in Portuguese and like we didn't understand. And then immediately after they tried talking to us in Portuguese and they didn't get us and we didn't get it, they started talking to us in Spanish, which I just think is so cool. Not only that they were trying to talk to us in our language, of course, but that they know that many languages. I Everybody here is, seems to be very multilingual. I haven't met a single person who only speaks one language, and I think that's amazing. I think more people should be learning more languages. And, for example, I'm fluent in English and Spanish, and then I know French. I'm, I'm not a beginner anymore. I'd say I'm intermediate at French. And right before I moved here, I started learning some Portuguese, but since then I've stopped, and I'd like to start learning Hawaiian. So that's something that I'll be doing. But I just think it's really cool that people here are so multilingual. And also going off of what I said earlier about being like the only Latino here, on my school registration, when you fill out what race you are, there was no option for Latino. They had a bunch of different Asian countries, a bunch of different islands. They had African-American as an option. But it was just interesting that Latino was not an option. So... I put Portuguese on my school transcript, so uh, I hope that's not appropriation, but if you're Portuguese, just know, hey, you're my brother, man. Uh, I'm Portuguese now, too, and love to get to know you. Next up, we have a question from Caitlin. This is an audio message, and it goes along pretty well with the last question, so I'm going to put this one in right here. So Aldo, what is it like moving from Utah all the way to Hawaii? Because I'm so curious as to how that's been for you. So moving from Utah to Hawaii, um, it's, it's a really big change, to be honest with you. Um, I've been adapting well, though. But one of the, the first things 
my mom was worried about was how I would like it here because here in Hilo, it's it's kind of run down a little bit. Uh, when you look and there's a large homeless population, there's some areas of town that don't look nice. It's not that they're dangerous. It's not like this is the ghetto like you might find in East LA. It's just not as much infrastructure has been built, not as much money has been put into this area. It's not a very a touristy area here in Hilo. There's not too much gentrification that's gone on, whether or not gentrification is a good thing, but uh, it just it's a little bit run down here. And one of the things that this reminds me of is I love Lord. Ha, I said there would be no music, but here we've got some Lord and her song Teams. So Lord is from New Zealand and that's what she's singing about. And the chorus says, we live in cities you'll never see on screen. Not very pretty, but we sure know how to run things. And I remember whenever I, I would hear that song, I'd be like, Lord, we see New Zealand all over the place in movies. It's Lord of the Rings. It's beautiful. What do you mean? Um, not very pretty. What do you mean by that? Um, and now that I'm here, I, I can kind of understand that you will see Hawaii in movies all the time. It's very pretty here, but you won't see these cities on screens. I, I know exactly what she means. And no, I'm not like, oh, he's lived on an island for a month and now he's just like Lord. No, but I, I completely understand that. But uh, life here, it's still definitely a first world country. I'm not trying to make it sound like, oh, things are more difficult here. But it's definitely not as modern as it is in Utah. You're not going to find a lot of the same amenities. Even uh, most houses here don't have air conditioning. There's pretty much no air conditioning. There's no air conditioning in my school either. So it's it's things like that. But uh, I'm very fortunate that I have been to other places and I know I'm going to roll my eyes at this, but my parents always like, oh, there's less fortunate people in other places. Oh, there's less fortunate people in other places. Like I've been to Mexico, I've been to Guatemala, I've, I've seen it firsthand. I've spent a lot of time in Mexico where there's no heating, there's no air conditioning, just like here. And the roads aren't even paved. Kids, they walk to school. I, I've been in those places. I've seen it. So I'm able to put that into perspective where life here is not quite as easy or as modern or fortunate even as life is in southern Utah. But because I've had these experiences, I'm able to put into perspective that even here, life is so much more fortunate than it is in other places. And what Hilo here on the Big Island, what it reminds me of the most, and really my whole experience here in Hawaii, it reminds me most of Mexico. Like I'm talking about somewhere like Ensenada, where it's not Mexico City, which is one of the largest cities in the world, good standard of living, really modern, more modern even than southern Utah, where I'm from. But I look at a city like Ensenada, population is around 500,000. There's a good tourism industry, but and beautiful sights to see. But the infrastructure is lacking a little bit, and there's still not everything, but life there isn't quite so hard as some other places in Mexico would be. That's kind of what, it doesn't make sense if you've never been there. I know Tanner, who asked me, one of the questions early, earlier has been there, and I know he'll be listening to this, but that's what it reminds me of. It's not, it's not quite as, yeah, like I've said, it's not as modern as Southern Utah, but I'm enjoying it here. I've been adapting well. I, I think you just have to be aware of your circumstances and you have to be grateful for what you do have. And I know it makes it sound like it's really hard to, like it's a hard life. It's not. I haven't struggled at all. It's just when you step outside of your house, when you step outside of a restaurant and you see, okay, well, this is what things look like. It rains here a lot. So lots of buildings have a lot of water damage. And uh, Hawaii is a victim of colonialism. And I think that's one of the things that connects it to the other nations I was talking about before in that people here aren't as fortunate because their fortune was taken from them in a way. I think a lot of people here are struggling to get by. You see it a lot on the news that Hawaiians are being priced out of their own islands. And really there's a lot of, there's a lot of homeless people around here too. And it's just unfortunate to see. And 
I'm not, it's not the fault of the people here whatsoever. It's just a result of colonialism. And I think that's why it reminds me of those other countries I've been to. That's really what I think brings it all together. And I don't think anybody should try to move here expecting high luxury, expecting to always have a resort style living. If you're not at a resort, not in a touristy area, I really think that's unreasonable to expect that these are cities and they're small cities. So even then they lack the infrastructure of what a city like Oahu, not a city like Oahu, Oahu is the island. I mean, Honolulu, when you're looking at all of the companies, all of the corporations that poured a lot of money into there to upgrade it, make it nice, build it up. And you look at the surrounding cities that didn't get any of that money. All of the eggs were put in one basket, basically. And I think that's something to consider where, for example, it's extremely hard to find a house here, especially at a reasonable price. So my family, we're not wealthy by any means. So really looking at a house that would fit us, it's too expensive. Looking for even a three-bedroom house, you're looking at 650000 dollars for a house that has three bedrooms it's just adjusting in those kinds of ways that you just have to get used to a different style of living than what you'd expect well i didn't even expect it to be resort style living but i think a lot of people they think of hawaii as very luxurious and when you're in a city like hilo it's really not and again i'm going to bring it back to the lord song the lord song we live in cities you'll never see on screen but as far as the moving process itself, uh, we did have quite a bit of difficulty traveling with my dog. So we had to get him up to date on all of his like travel documents, travel vaccinations, that kind of stuff. That wasn't really too much of a hassle. What we had issue with was actually when we were about to fly, we took him to the airport. We were about to check him in and we found out that the temperature has to be above uh, above 45 degrees. If it's below 45 degrees, a dog cannot fly. And also if it's above a certain amount, a dog can also not fly. So we weren't able to take him on the first morning. He was going to stay with my dad and me and my mom were going to come to Hawaii on that day. And my dad would, follow, would fly out the following day with the dog. And there was a huge hassle with the, the TSA. I'm, I'm honestly still upset about this. Uh, my experience with the TSA. I'm not going to go over it here, but essentially, okay, I am going to go over it just a little bit. Essentially, there was an electronic I had. I think it was my Nintendo Switch that I had forgotten about in my carry-on. And so they had to go through my whole thing, find it. And then they didn't do a great, they did a great job taking stuff out of my bag. What they didn't do a great job was putting stuff back into my bag. And then my bag wouldn't even close after, I'm I'm still upset about this, honestly. And they give me back my bag halfway open, had to run to catch a flight. And then it turns out some of my stuff just wasn't in my bag. And it's not like they confiscated it. I'm not talking about dangerous items. I lost postcards for one thing. I lost a piece of artwork that was a recreation of Marooned by Howard Pyle, which is my favorite painting. So that's gone. No chance to get it back. Anyways, it's just very frustrating <laughs> traveling. Uh, I'm still upset about the TSA thing. And that's not, that's not even the half of it. After that, we missed our flight. Just a really terrible traveling experience. But after getting here, everything worked out smoothly. We've always been able to have a place to stay with our dog, even if it's not as big as we would like. Um, we're, I'm incredibly grateful that we were able to find somewhere that would let us stay with him for this long because there's not a lot of hotels where we live and the ones that there are don't allow pets. Lots of Airbnbs don't allow pets. And Airbnbs, a lot of the times, the ones that do allow pets, oh, we're booked for this week. We have this week open. Then you'll have to move again. And it's just not really convenient. And I think that's another issue I see here is that people are buying up the housing to use as Airbnbs. With an Airbnb, you're going to be renting it at a way higher rate than you would rate a regular rental property. It's way higher. And really, people can't live here anymore. So because the houses are being bought up for an Airbnb, there's that ambulance again, if you can hear it. I uh, the place where we're at right now is kind of close to an urgent care center. So 
there might be more ambulances even later. But yeah, because people are buying up these houses to use as Airbnbs, I think there's a real issue there. And really, you're pricing people out who are looking for rentals, who are looking to just have a place to stay that they don't necessarily have to own. And again, I think this is part of tourist culture, which is interesting because there's not that much tourism here in Hilo itself. So that's just, okay, that's not entirely true. We do have a dock that cruise ships come into. Uh, I see a ship about once a week, twice a week if we're lucky, there'll be a ship. But again, those people aren't staying here, feeding into the economy. They'll just go to the shops by the port or they'll go to Volcanoes National Park. They're not really feeding back into this. So I just think that's a big issue, the abundance of Airbnbs. And luckily we found one. But I should be moving into permanent lodging next month. We did find a rental property that will let us take my dog. So that is good news as far as that side of moving, just the nitty gritty. Um, other than that, I don't think there's any other big thing about moving from St. George to Hawaii. It's just a big difference, I guess, like I went over and... Like I said, I'm just grateful for the circumstances I'm in and things in Hawaii are maybe not up to par with the rest of America, but they're certainly better than any other country I've been to. They are, it's still a first world country here and we enjoy a lot of amenities that other places don't, just not quite as much as mainland USA. All right, so my next question comes from Braxton, and he wants to know what the most fun thing I've done is. Well, <laughs> what I've done here. So I would, this is a bit of a cop-out, because this I could have done uh, almost anywhere across the globe, but it was definitely the Green Day Saviors listening party I went to at Wheeler Records. And so that store is in Waimea, which is on the northernmost side of the island. So imagine it like if you go from the mid-center of the island and then you make a straight line. You know, if you make a compass from the middle of the island and you go in a straight line, I am in a straight line to the east and Waimea is in a straight line to the north. So you would think you could just go a diagonal to get there, but you actually can't. You have to go at a 90 degree angle, so it does take a bit longer. It's only like an hour and a half away, but it's honestly, see, that's the problem with Americans using time to measure distance because it's an hour and a half away. But if I was able to go diagonally, it's 45 minutes away, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's another thing. Uh, the roads here, uh, you got to go all the way around, You, which is honestly a good thing because it means the nature is left intact. It's not taken down to put up a road. But yeah, uh, the Green Day listening party I went to was great. Um, the little record store that put it on, they were an indie record store. They had a great event. They had a raffle. They had great speakers. They even had free refreshments. And again, this listening event was completely free. Uh, if you just wanted to go, you could go. Like there wasn't any invite or ticket you needed. It was just a lot of fun to get to listen to Green Day early and with other people who also loved Green Day. And I just thought it was really cool that there was an event here on my island. I didn't even have to go anywhere that far. So that was a lot of fun. And just the drive out there, like I said, kind of the rolling hills and meadows. So Waimea, it's it's incredible. It's a very pretty small town. The buildings, I don't know what the architecture style is, but it looks very mountainous, the architecture style. And it is in the mountains here on this island. But there's just these ginormous hills and they're round. and they're green and it looks like if you've ever seen the princess bride it looks like the hills there where uh what's his face wesley rolls down they're just huge green rolling hills i've never seen anything like it. it's absolutely beautiful and honestly if i were to vacation anywhere that i've been so far i would go back to waimea i don't know what it is about it but it just feels like it feels like you're in the mountains and i've been in mountains before but this felt the most mountainous, if that makes any sense. Ah, that sounds so weird. But there's just a vibe there. And just the rolling hills, the mountains, you're, you're right by the clouds. It feels like whenever it's cloudy. And 
just the architecture there I love. There's something different about it that I haven't seen before. And I know that sounds like a boring answer, but yep. Uh, just going to Waimea and listening to Green Day was the most fun thing I've done here so far. Other than that, um, I've been out to the waterfalls. There's a waterfall about 20 minutes away with a really nice scenic drive. It looks incredible, like nothing you've ever seen. The thick, the foliage is just so thick. And if you've ever seen Jurassic Park 2, uh, The Lost World, I believe it is, they go to a second island. The, the second island's not the one from the main Jurassic Park movie. And everything's like a thick jungle with lots of foliage. And that's exactly what it looks like. And I know they filmed that movie here in Hawaii, but I've never thought I would see that kind of foliage in person. Another really fun thing is there's a zoo here in Hilo. And I thought it would be like a really small zoo where I'd be like sad the animals are in small cages. But no, the animals have big enclosures. They have plenty of space and they actually have a wide variety of animals. They have over 60 species. It's not a small zoo. It's very big. And of course, it doesn't compare to like the San Diego Zoo, but it's a very big zoo. They have a tiger. They actually have two tigers. They've got a variety of monkeys. They have so many cool species and a lot of species that are endemic to the Pacific. And it's just great to go see them. And they have plenty of space. And they have a lot of fun things for like kids to do too. Like if I were a kid who grew up here, I would have loved to go to the zoo like every weekend. And it's free, which is incredible that it's free to patrons. It's just really incredible. And they have a very nice playground. They have like three playgrounds there for kids that are just very nice. Like I just look at it and I'm like, oh, if I were a kid, I would have loved that. And we even saw a kid having a birthday party at the zoo. And it's not like the zoo put on the birthday party. Like the parents showed up, they had a little tablecloth, they had the balloons. And I was just like, that looks so fun. It's just such a nice thing for the community to have, like a nice zoo and park. It's just great. Uh, I love the zoo. So I really love animals. That's something not a lot of people know about me. I absolutely love animals. I've loved them since I was a kid. Going to the zoo is one of my favorite things. And I don't live near a zoo. I have to drive from where I lived in St. George. I had to drive at least six hours to get to a zoo. Either the Hogle or LA Zoo were the closest zoos to me. And the San Diego Zoo about eight hours away. So living like 10 minutes from a zoo has been incredible. I live five minutes from a waterfall, Rainbow Falls. It's great to go just see the nature. So there's a lot of fun things to do here. And I think it's funny that there's all this great stuff to do where I live. And I'm like, no, the green day. That was the most fun. Next up, we have a question from Alfonso. And he wants to know if Hawaii is better than Utah. So do I like it better? Yes, yes, I do. I like it better here. Um, another thing not too many people know about me is I've been trying to leave Utah forever. And I'm not even kidding you. Like, my my mom must have been fed up with it. I, I tried to, like, whenever they were like, hmm, we're considering a move, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. Full send. I want out of here. And, you know, lately that started to die down a little bit as I, you know, I have my friends in high school. I feel like that's when they actually became important to me. Um, I know that sounds terrible, but, like, before that I was like, yeah, I'll just, you know, make uh, new friends, which, of course, I can still do and I've done here as well. But the relationships you have with your friends, they just get deeper when you get into high school. And I think that want to leave kind of died down. But um, as somebody who travels a lot, and I, when I say I travel a lot, it's not like I'm going on vacation all over the place. Um, I have family all over the world. So I say all over the world, and they're only spread out between three countries. But that's all over the world to me. They're definitely all over America, New York, Miami, LA, kind of in all four corners of the nation. And now I'm way out here in the Pacific. Um, but I do like it better than I like Utah. There was just something... Hmm, I'm trying to think of how to explain this, but one of the things I felt in Utah and that I would see, and I don't know why it bothered me so much, but it still does. Um, and... It's even included in a book, one of my favorite books, The Field Guide to the North American Teenager by Ben Philippe. 
and I'm kind of relating a lot to that book now, and I'll get into that later, but one of the things that is examined in that book, and I've noticed in real life living in Southern Utah, is people seem to become really closed-minded, and I don't mean to new ideas. Their, their world is small, and I, I've never wanted a small world. I've always wanted a big world, and the feeling that I could never see everything. And what I mean by this is I talk to lots of kids in Utah. They want to stay in Utah. They want to stay where they're at. They are not really interested in going places. They want to stay in Utah for college, which I totally understand that in-state tuition is lower. But then I talk to these kids and the college they want to go to is a private college. I'm like, okay, well, you're not really going to get a discount for being in-state. That's only for public schools but they still want to just stay in Utah. They're like, Utah is where my family's from. And I, I totally understand that feeling of, uh, what would you call it? Generational pride. I 100% get that. I get where they're coming from. But one of the other things is people would go to Salt Lake City every weekend. From St. George, Salt Lake City is like at least a five-hour drive. And I, I just wouldn't understand it. A lot of times I'd be like, oh, do you have family in Salt Lake? Oh, no, we're going to Lagoon, which is the amusement park there in Salt Lake. Or, oh, no, we're going to go shopping to the malls. Or, oh, we just want to go visit the big city. And I never understood that because, like I said, Vegas was right there. We were practically in Las Vegas already. It was right there. And people went to Salt Lake to go shop when there's way more stores, way more malls in Vegas. It's way faster to get there. And there's a lot more to do. You're going to the amusement park, Lagoon, which is five hours away. Uh, there is a small amusement park in Vegas. It's Circus Circus. And there's lots of more. There's lots more attractions you can do in Vegas. And then I take that into consideration. You're going five hours to Lagoon, the amusement park, which is decently expensive. It's not that cheap. And you have Disneyland, which is six hours away. Or you have Six Flags, six hours away. You have Universal six hours away in Los Angeles. And I just felt that people there weren't, they had a small world is the only way I can put it. And I was always interested in seeing the rest of the world. E even now, travel is the main thing I want to do. Like when I think about what I want to do as a profession, the main thing I have in my head is I need to pick a profession that makes a lot of money so I can go travel, so I can go see the world. And I don't just want to live in one city for all of my life. I understand that, you know, it's a good way to raise a family. But before I'm raising a family, I want to move around the nation at least and around the world if I can. But uh, that's just more of a personal reason that I, I like it here better and why I was always trying to leave. The people here, um, because Hawaii is so small, you would think that people here would have an even smaller world, but for some reason they have a bigger world here. They're always talking about if they're not just talking about where they're going to go on the island away from their city, they're going to go to a different island. They're going to go to the big city, Honolulu. Or a lot of the time people here will be like, oh, I just went to the mainland. I saw this, this, and that. There's so much stuff out there to explore. And especially because winter break just happened. Uh, I hear a lot of people talking about where they went for win uh, winter break. Oh, I went here on the mainland. I went there. There's so much out there to see. People here are excited about what there is in the rest of the world, and yet they still have such respect for the island here where they live. They understand how special it is here, but that doesn't stop them from viewing the broader outside world. And I I'm not trying to sound like, uh, I don't know the word in English. This happens to me sometimes. We speak Spanish I'm not trying to como regañar uh, St. George. I'm, I'm not, if you want to put that into the translator. I don't know how to say it in English, but I'm not trying to talk St. George down in any way. I'm just saying that me, as my personal preference, this is the reason. And I'm also not saying that everybody in St. George has a small world, as I'm saying. That's just one of the things I felt from a young age. I always felt, I always felt like, I had to break free of something, if that makes sense. So it's not even that people have a small world. It's that I had to break free of what other people were thinking of, in a way, if that makes any sense. So I, I hope that makes sense. But man, there was something else I was going to say, and I don't think it was about a big world, small world. I'm trying to think. I was about to say it. I just had it in my mind. 
about big world, small world. Hopefully it will come back to me later. Oh, I remember it. I was going to bring up the movie Surf's Up where uh, Cody Maverick, the main character, um, I'm really relating to him right now, not because he's a surfer, because I haven't tried surfing yet, but I always found him relatable, even as a kid. And one of the, the lines in the movie is, so basically a, a, what would you call it? A documentary crew shows up to the small town where Cody lives. And they they ask him, they say, hey, Cody, Cody, what's your dream? What, what do you dream of? And Cody says, to to go away. Yes, I, I want to go somewhere else. And that was pretty much me for most of my life where I just wanted to go see something else. I wanted to explore. I wanted to see all these different things. And I often felt like I couldn't do that where I lived, where I'd already seen everything that was available to me. And yeah, I'm not trying to talk down on Utah at all, but you did ask Alfonso. You made this a competition. You knew what you were asking for. But yeah, I definitely like it here in Hawaii better. But there's also the thing to consider that I left the rest of my extended family behind on the mainland. I left all of my friends behind in St. George. And I do have a lot of fond memories in St. George. I like St. George. I'm not trying to talk down on them in any ways. I think it's a great place to live. I think it's absolutely beautiful in St. George. I think I think Hawaii is more beautiful, but I think the beauty of St. George is something still to consider. And with that, I think I'm going to move on to the next question. So really quick, before I get into the next question, I want to go back to what I was saying about like the quality of life living here. Um, this is a nice place to live. It's a good place to live. I'm not trying to make Hawaii sound like it's some third world country. I, I really want to go. <laughs> I really want to make sure that's not what it's sounding like. There's just a few different things like the air conditioning. That, that That's one of the main things I'm trying to get across to you guys. Just that the cities don't have the infrastructure that cities on the mainland do. That That's the main point. I'm not trying to compare it to Mexico to be like, oh, things are terrible here. It's overridden with crime. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just pointing out the infrastructure and the upkeep are not the same that you would see on the mainland. That's. I just want to clarify that if any listeners were thinking about that. So the next question, we have another audio file. This one's actually a couple of questions. This one comes from Sam. So let's get into that one now. Hey, so I was just wondering about, you know, in regards to your move, what the tourist situation is like out there. You know, is it super touristy? You know, the stereotypical, you know, tons of tourists there, you know, dressed up in the button-up shirts, khaki shorts, sandals, nobody with sunscreen on the nose, a camera hanging around their neck. Um, you know, also, is the market out there geared towards that? Is there a big focus on tourists? And, you know, I'd argue this is the most important question you'll get. Um, how, how are your curls doing? You know, are they in their prime right now? Is it better than ever? Yeah, so just wondering. Thanks. All right. Thanks for that question, Sam. So for starters, the most important question, how are my curls doing? I have, for the listeners who can't see me, I have luscious curls, long hair. That's how I rule. It's uh, one time my dad asked me, he asked me, how do you have such good curls? And what I told him is I said genetics. And thankfully, I'm lucky like that. And the humidity here is great for my curls. Like my my hair is thriving in this humidity. Uh, it's doing great. So I'm glad you asked that. I definitely did not ask her to ask that, guys. Don't think for one second I would ever get in the way of journalism like that. Never would I do that. Um, actually, seriously, I didn't. But, or did I? Anyway, as far as the tourists... Is it very touristy here? I think I've already said that it's not too touristy here in Hilo, besides the cruise ships coming in. However, I have seen those people wearing the, you know, the Hawaiian shirts. Uh, and again, not the locals. These are tourists off the cruise ship. So every Saturday here in Hilo, there is a farmer's market down by the shore. And one time we happened to go there when a cruise ship was in town. And the place was, it was littered with tourists. So 
on occasions like that, you'll see tourists with, you know, their, whatchamacallits, their Hawaiian shirts. And that same day, we decided to go to a waterfall that's 20 minutes away. And it was actually crowded as well. So we noticed a lot of the tourists there too. And funny enough, you, you mentioned their little cameras. So I noticed a guy who had a GoPro at the farmer's market. And I noticed because I liked his GoPro handle. I like to pretend I'm going to have a YouTube channel and I'll film and then I'll edit half of a vlog and then I won't release the rest. So I actually also had my GoPro at the time. And one of my main concerns was, am I going to look like a tourist? Will people think I am not from here? And uh, that fear has kept me from filming anything ever since then. But I also ran into the same guy at the waterfall and he had the camera. That's how I recognized him. I recognized him because of his camera handle. So as far as tourism goes, there's not too much tourism in town. However, you go out of town, you go to the Volcanoes National Park. There's a lots of tourists there. There's lots of tourists who go to the waterfalls. It's just here in Hilo, there's not that many in-city tourist attractions. Like I, was, like I explained it before, we live in cities you'll never see on screens. You're not really going to find the kind of activities you would find in a city like Los Angeles or Las Vegas here in Hilo. There's no beaches either in Hilo. You'd have to leave Hilo to go find a beach. There's just rocky shorelines. There's lots of great surfing and fishing here in Hilo, though. So maybe some tourists who come just for that would enjoy that. However, this is biased of me, but I consider them to be, I don't want to call them tradesmen, but I feel like they're skilled, they're hobbyists. I put them in a different category than regular tourists. But the main tourist place on this island is Kona, which is on the westernmost side of the island. I have been there and there's no cruise port there, yet it's bustling with tourists. There are so many tourists you would not believe. We went to Costco because the Costco is in Kona. It's the only Costco on the entire island. The place was packed. If you think the St. George Costco gets packed on a Saturday, imagine going to the Kona Costco where you have, again, uh, Kona's maybe a third of the size of St. George. So you'd have your regular crowd. Because really, when you think about it, Saturday is the perfect time for citizens of Hilo to go to Costco as well. They have time to go get their groceries, load up. And then you have people from these two cities and you have neighboring cities as well. So imagine an entire island needs to go to Costco on Saturday. And then you have hundreds of tourists trying to go to Costco as well. So that's something definitely that there are a lot of tourists in Kona. They're all over the place, all along the boardwalk. And Kona is really the city that markets themselves to tourists. That's where the resorts are. There, oh my gosh, there's so many tourists in Kona. But there are tourists that like drive through Hilo, definitely. Because Hilo, I don't even think it's that much closer to the volcanoes. But there are certain things that you can only do here on the wet side of the island. Where, where the jungle is, where, where the waterfalls are. If you want that kind of experience, you come to our side of the island. So there is an airport here in Hilo, and there's always a lot of tourists, you know, flying in, getting their rental cars from the airport. But really in Hilo, there's not too much tourism going on, I personally don't think. As far as marketing to tourists, I think Kona really has the market on tourists, but there are quite a few things that I feel are marketed mostly towards tourists here. So... There's a section of the farmer's market that will sell you like little trinkets or souvenirs or photographs of the ocean. So those are definitely more focused on tourist business. There's plenty of businesses by the shore that you can tell are like tourist places. There's restaurants that tend to be the places where the tourists go. So, for example, I'll be going out somewhere to eat with my family. And we always notice when we see more locals or more tourists. That's something we always notice. Um, and there'll be times we go to a restaurant and we're like, I don't think we see any locals here. So that's definitely something that markets themselves toward tourists, different restaurants. Uh, really, it's only restaurants, I think, here in Hilo that seem to, well, besides the farmer's market, those are the only things that I've really seen 
feed off of tourists that much and market themselves besides rental cars, I suppose. But that one's kind of obvious as well as the airport. We do have a Target and a Walmart that tourists go to, though. Our Walmart was actually voted best in the nation like four times, which is crazy. Uh, we also have a Target, which a lot of tourists also go to, but not actually that many tourists. I think my mom said a lot of tourists go there, but the times I've been to Target, I think, sure, there's more tourists than go to like other stores, but uh, it's not really that bad, I don't think. So that's kind of it on tourism, I think. But I like to get back to the, the restaurants and the food a little bit because I forgot to mention that under Braxton's what's the most fun question. And I think I'll get into that next. All right, I had to take a break to go have dinner with my family, but I am back recording, except no, it is nighttime. So you guys can probably hear frogs in the background. And these frogs, they, they trip all night long. They're called koki. And they're an invasive species, but hear them every night. They're all over the place. But I'm going to talk about the food. So I'm a foodie. I love eating food. And throughout my time here, I've eaten a lot of food. And I actually just got back from a restaurant. And it was the best meal I've had here so far. It was a seafood gumbo. And it was absolutely delicious. And one of the things I've noticed is so there are a lot of what are called drive-ins, which are a little bit different from drive-ins on the mainland. So basically, the way the drive-in works is you pull up in your car, and essentially what it is, is it's more like a classic uh, California drive-in than some of the drive-ins you see now, where it's just a stand, and then there is seating around it, covered seating, because it rains a lot. And there's quite a few of those, and they offer a variety of Hawaiian and Asian dishes, most of them at least, along with standard American fare. And there's a lot of those. There's chain restaurants, of course. There's actually a few Mexican restaurants here, actually, which is interesting. A lot of Chinese food. So there's really a lot of different options here, and I've just really enjoyed it. I love seafood, and there is plenty of fresh seafood here. We're right by the sea, and a lot of people don't know this, but I actually used to be pescatarian, and I'm actually considering going pescatarian again just because there's seafood just readily available, and it's fresh, it's delicious, and I just love being that close to fresh seafood, honestly, especially being from the desert. It's a great change of pace to have all of that variety there. So our last question before I close it off comes from Cassidy, and she asks, how is the education system? So one thing to note is that the school district where I'm from is, it has good schools, but it's not very serious. I would say it's kind of silly. One time last year, we had all of our buses rented out for the St. George Marathon, and school just wasn't open because they did that literally like the day of we found out we didn't have school because they rented out our buses and it's not like oh this was the olympics it's no this happens every year and just this year they decided to rent out the buses so just kind of silly things like that would happen but here things are it's the opposite it seems quite serious over here so the school i go to is uh it's built like an outdoor campus it's almost built like a college campus where there's no hallways, there's no inside of buildings, although colleges, of course, have that. But you have building to building, you have your classes. Um, and some of the buildings have multiple stories. You have to climb stairs. There's sky bridges between some of the buildings. Uh, it's just a really different experience from the giant building that I used to go to school in and how most schools are done in southern Utah. It's just giant building all the classrooms in it and here we have a bunch of smaller buildings with classrooms going up to three stories high and what i find interesting is that my school is probably bigger than my last school yet the city i live in is half the size but i think that's probably due to the fact that there's only two public schools in the city versus in saint george there's at least eight high schools to choose from so 
it kind of splits it up different when you look at it that way. It does make a lot of sense. So other things about how education kind of differs over here. Like I said, they, they take things very seriously. It's not just willy-nilly. So for example, uh, you can only take online courses with the approval of your counselor, and you can only take up to two courses, not per semester, but per year. You can only take two online courses because they believe that an online course should be a supplement to your in-person education and is not fit to replace it. So that's something that's definitely different. And on top of that, the state of Hawaii requires that each student have a PTP or personal transition plan for what they're going to do after they get out of high school. And basically what this involves is having a ready resume, having different um, career things already chosen, planned out. And you also have to have 40 hours of public service, which I think is incredible that they have that as a graduation requirement. I think that is a great idea. Thankfully, I was able to count the service I did at my last school as part of my service. So I don't actually only need two hours. So that's good news. I'm pretty much done with that requirement. But on top of that, you need a cover letter. Uh, I believe it's called a cover letter. No, that's for a job. Um, an application letter. Uh, it's called a personal narrative. That's what it is. You need a personal narrative as well to graduate. And on top of that, um, I have to take two classes that are required by the state of Hawaii. And I think both of these classes are great. So the first class is participation in democracy, which it's just, uh, I had never even thought about this as a class. This is such a good thing to have as a student because a lot of the time, well, for two reasons, because a lot of the time you'll hear people complaining, oh, they don't teach us the things we need to know in school, how to budget, how to get a job, how to vote, how to do all of these very important things. And I think this stands as proof to me that that's not a legitimate gripe for one. Uh, sure, it's different in other places, but here in the state of Hawaii, you are required to take this class to know how to participate in democracy. That you, we're learning how to vote, why we vote, what rights we have as citizens. That is all valuable stuff to know. And I, I really do commend the state of Hawaii for requiring that as a class. And also going off of that same thing, another class I'm taking that is not required, but highly recommended for my school is employment training. And essentially what that class does is throughout the entire class, what you're doing is you're building a portfolio, you're building a resume, you're doing all of these, um, I was about to say things, but I, I would say tasks even, where you are just making yourself the best possible option for employers. And it's not just doing that kind of stuff, you're also learning about leadership styles, how your own personality affects you in terms of business, which again, ties back into people complaining that the schools don't teach us how to get jobs. Well, they do. You just have to take the class. There's financial literacy, which also teaches you how to budget. So really, these classes are required. And they teach you these things that people complain that you don't learn. But here, the state of Hawaii is making sure that you are learning these important things. And then we have my class, Modern Hawaiian History, which really, um, I'm really enjoying this class. It's teaching me a lot about the culture here. But more... Uh, I was about to say more importantly, yeah, more importantly than just teaching, it incorporates you into it. So for graduation, we are required, not as a graduation requirement, but at graduation, we have to perform what is called an OLI, which is, it's a traditional, it's just traditional Hawaiian chant, kind of. I, I don't know how else to put it, but it's, it's all in Hawaiian. And we have three of these that we, essentially it's a chant. And we have to recite them when we graduate. And every day in this class, we practice them. And it, it's all in Hawaiian. So it's kind of a lot to take in. And I've actually learned a decent bit of... I haven't learned a decent bit of Hawaiian, but I've learned a decent bit about the culture surrounding it. I know some of the words in it, of course. And I'm just learning as I go. So it is a bit difficult, but every day we go out into the... It's called the quad, but essentially it's a courtyard. We go out every day and we practice these chants. We have them memorized. And like I said, it's all in Hawaiian. And I just think it's really cool that as part of the school, you are being brought into all of that culture. I think it's 
absolutely amazing. And that last clip got cut off, but I was about to talk about one of the wine proverbs that they teach in the school. It's not curriculum, but it's a, a motto that many teachers point to as part of their syllabus, part of their curriculum, and it's called makahana kaike. And what that means is in doing, one learns. And I absolutely love that attitude, especially when applied to school, because me personally, as a learner, I, I honestly, I just do, and I learn that way. And I know that that sounds kind of general, especially like the proverb, oh, well, that's a metaphor. But for example, I taught myself how to cook. Like my parents didn't teach me. I didn't watch any videos. I just saw my dad cook some eggs once, you know, I just watched him kind of fry eggs and I never watched him closely. It was just me as a kid. I would sit at the table, he'd be cooking and I, I wouldn't see exactly what he was doing. But I remember one day I was like, Hey dad, I think I can cook an egg. I think I can do it. And he was like, okay, show me. And I got the pan. I put butter in it and I, I cracked the two eggs and I scrambled them. And he was like, wow, how, how did you learn how to do that? And I was like, well, I just kind of figured it out. And I think that's really valuable in learning. And it's not just kind of improvising, like, like I was saying. That's one of the ways I learn is by improvising, by doing. But for example, the oldies we have to practice, we learn them by doing them. That's why we go out every day and we chant in the quad. And I just really like the sentiment behind that saying. And I think it's a very important part of the curriculum here. And lastly, I would just like to go over a little bit of the way my school runs. So we run what are called small learning communities. So essentially, we all graduate from the same school, but our school is split up into academies depending on what kind of career we want to go into. So there's a business and industry academy. There is a health services academy. There's an arts and communications academy. And so because I'm studying to be a lawyer, the academy I am in is the public service academy. And so one of the things that that gives us is every, every senior is required to take a work-based learning course. So essentially what that is, it means every single senior is required to have an internship, an internship with a business of the career that they want to go into. So as part of the public service academy, I'm guaranteed an internship next year with the city courthouse. And I'll even have the possibility that I could even internship with the prosecutor here. There's only one internship spot available and you have to apply. But I just think it's incredible that even if I don't get that one, I have a guaranteed internship at the courthouse where I can actually learn this kind of stuff. I will have this on my college resume. I will have it on my work resume whenever I try to get a job as a paralegal that I have experience working in a courthouse already before I graduate. I will have that down. And I just think that that's an incredible part of the curriculum. I think it's amazing. I think lots of schools offer it, but to have it required and to have it guaranteed with so many slots available, I think is incredible that they do this here at my school. So with that, that was the last question. Uh, thank you guys for listening and thanks for sending in all of your questions. Uh, I really enjoyed the Q&A and I think it was a bit more conversational, a bit more, yeah, just a bit more conversational because it feels like I'm replying to these people who I know in real life, even though they're not in front of me. I'm having a conversation with them, it kind of feels like. So that was really enjoyable. Let me know if you guys want more Q&As in the future or what topic you would even want them about. But we did have two solo episodes this week. Uh, next week, we will be back to having a guest. And I hope to have a guest again the week after that. We will see how it goes. But you won't have to hear just me next week. There will be a guest. So thank you for listening to the Melodramatic Podcast, and until next time.